BIA says, well, the root of the problem is obsession with self, that the drinking and the drug use is a symptom of that. In other words, the obsession drives you basically to drink and to do drugs to get relief from the obsession. But then it becomes like this vicious cycle, it seems, yeah? You may get a little relief, but the payoff-cost ratio changes dramatically, and less and less payoff, more and more cost. And yet you're signed in. You can't seem to break the contract once it starts going. And uh, from being in AA for a while and just uh, exploring what was happening, I didn't feel like that. After a while, I didn't feel like that was the root of the problem, that it was obsession with self. I thought it was. I heard another message outside of AA that made sense to me, and I actually started entertaining that was maybe the root of the problem which is that there's an act of being identified as self. That's what my head does. It's called self-centeredness. The center is, the self is the center, and it's a verb, basically. The mind is selfing. The way it thinks and how it thinks is really defined by the center of all the thoughts, which is a very old thought called, I am Paul. I am this long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And every day I see, I look at life from seemingly this body, it reinforces that. Yeah. And my perceptions tend to reinforce that because my perceptions are, you look as solid as you could possibly look to me. Yeah. And therefore, if you are solid and separate, I must be solid and separate. So the whole apparatus and the way it uh, exchanges and interfaces with this place, this world, reinforces the idea of being a self this idea of being a separate, long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And then the mind, or the head, through the daily narrative, reinforces that identification. Because the narrative is about you all day. The you that you're not. And so, if you're hearing that, it's sort of like you're getting put out, almost like in a hypnotic trance. But it's being induced by your own head. So the head is constantly putting you in the trance of looking at life from the point of view of a self, and if you are interpreting life from that point of view as a self, you're unconscious to your nature, which isn't a, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That's not your nature. Your nature, let's, you could call it a spirit. Some people call it spirit. Some people call it awareness. Some people call it consciousness. But it's definitely not a thing. Yeah? It's not like a, a body or, or a unit or a box or some place you can go to or get or achieve or attain. It's sort of nothingness, yeah? But it's intelligent and aware. And to me, it's what's allowing you to be conscious here. Conscious of all the thoughts and to cause you to feel unconscious, in a sense. Yeah? It's really trippy. But the thing is, what happens is our conscious contact gets sort of taken over by this modality of self-centeredness. And we're just an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness, alcoholics, yeah? Everybody out here is self-centered. Most, I mean, not everyone. I haven't talked to everybody, but the, the amount of people I saw, I think I have a pretty good basis to make this judgment that most of us are out to lunch, yeah, in a sense. We're looking at life from self, and we're very, very consumed with it, and that idea of me being the center. And so this is really, what we're saying is that this could be the dilemma, really. This actually could be the cause 
of that irritability, restlessness, and discontent. This could be the cause of your need to seek and try to get relief constantly because it's an irritant. No matter how well the mind is in denying it and distracting you from it and disassociating from it, it's still irritant. It's still irritating, irritating, irritating. And we know, we've experienced it. If you listen to people who come in, one of the common themes new people talk from is being uncomfortable in their own skin. That's one of the first things about it, is being uncomfortable in your skin. When you were a young kid, if you weren't in an abusive situation or anything like that, I guarantee you, you were not uncomfortable in your own skin. We grew out of, we grew into this discomfort. Yeah? How did we grow into it? We forgot what we were, and we started to assume something that we're not. And as soon as we assumed this, something that we're not as us, these effects occurred. And they became what we call almost constant, or the normal state, because without the cause of them being addressed, they will become the normal state. And so therefore, now, you're trying to get a relief from an effect. So the effect is irritability, restlessness, and discontent, but it's not the cause of the dilemma. The cause is you forgot your nature, let's say. You forgot that you're a consciousness, and you've assumed that you're a body. Yeah, a historical action figure. And in that assumption, whole lo- this whole world appears to be real. And the solution or the relief from that is to see from your real nature, not from this false point of view. Because anything that is seen from your false point of view, if it tells you that you've got to get to Omaha, yeah, which sounds like a really good idea, but it assumes that it's, it's in San Francisco. But it's not in San Francisco. So every map it gets to get to Omaha will not uh, allow it to arrive in Omaha because every map is starting from a different location than you actually are. You are not a long-lasting independent separatist. That's my humble opinion. If you start from the position of you are spirit or you put that horse before the cart of the physicality, things start becoming obvious to you. If that isn't in place, things that could be very obvious to you are very confusing and they cause agitation. Yeah, but when that's dropped, when you it's see this, you're not going to rehabilitate the self. <laughs> I mean, the best you can do is sort of tame it to the point that it's not getting you arrested every other day. <laughs> really, you know what I mean? But you're not really. It's not going to go for happiness, joyousness, and freedom because it has its own idea of happiness, joyousness, and freedom. And its idea of happiness, is joyousness, and freedom is to convince others that it's happy, joyous, and free. It doesn't care if it has it. It wants you to think it has it. Yeah? It's just like when I'm in the water, let's say I'm surfing, you're in the water, everything's going on, and you're totally engaged, but your head is hoping someone from the shore is watching how great you are in the water. That's its agenda. Its agenda has nothing... The, the water and the, the catching the wave is a secondary to being acknowledged for catching the wave. Yeah? Its whole point is to look like it has something, then to actually travel with that something, you know, or to have that, to really be engaged in the freedom, it rather look like I'm free to others. <laughs> Jeez, it's such an empty little uh, bonus, you know. <laughs> Jesus, wow, I wonder if all these people think I'm special. They're thinking the same thing about themselves. <laughs> yeah? 
The guy in the shore was hoping I'd stop catching the wave to see what he was doing, because it was so important picking up the shit from his dog's ass, you know, on the sand. Everyone is, we're all, we're, we all expect the spotlight to be on us all the time. Millions of spotlights. Instead of seeing the one light, we want to have it become a spotlight for us to be seen. So, in my little view of alcoholism, I would say it's, I like to picture it as a parasite, yeah? A parasite that's taken the host over. So, right now, all of us are sitting here seemingly as hosts, you know, individual, long-lasting, separate hosts. <laughs> well, let's just say we're hosts, yeah? And so, you can see it. Just go to any AA meeting and people will be sharing, and you'll probably identify with what they're sharing. If a quote-unquote normal person would come in a meeting and they'd hear some of the shares here, they'd be aghast. Their jaw would just drop. They'd be, I can't, you actually say that in front of people? These are the secrets they'll go to the grave with. We're throwing them out like, oh, yeah, I did that every day. <laughs> I, you know? And everyone would laugh just like that because they identify. Not with who I am, but with what, what's been taking me over. Alcoholism has taken all of, all of us over and it creates a kinship so that we can identify. But I'm not identifying with what you are. I'm actually identifying with what you're not because I am identified with what I'm not. And what I'm not has very similar, it has one set of character traits. It's one parasite. So if it takes 8,000 hosts, they'll all be able to identify. Because the same parasite's gonna be expressing its finite characteristics. Through them. And then it's 100,000, same, same. You go to another country, go to India, go to a meeting, exact same. Because the same traits are being expressed. The same feelings and the thoughts and reactions to life are being shared because they're coming from the same source, which is the self-centeredness and this extreme subdivision called alcoholism. And the same parasite has taken us over. And it's using us to express itself through it. Now, the, the thing with the parasite is it can't pick up a beer. It doesn't have an arm. It doesn't. Yeah? It doesn't have a lip. It can't even taste it. Yeah? But that alcohol and that drug and the energy around getting it and doing it is its juice. And so it has to get it, but it has to have the host get it for it. Yeah? It's sort of like someone who's... who's who's in a wheelchair, he has to convince the guy to go to 7-Eleven buy his vodka for him. He can't get there, let's say. Yeah. But this thing, so it's trying to, it's, it uses, it hijacks, or let's say, jacks into the thinking, and through the thoughts, it convinces the host to do something the host really knows is insanely stupid, but to do it over and over and over again. So it bypasses any logic and any wisdom that the host may think it has, and it jacks in and says, this is your imperative, yeah, to get me, get me my alcohol and drugs. And so what it usually does, it, it either can do it in a moment, or it may take a couple of days, or even some months. It has to usually take you from wherever you are to the point of fuck it. And so it starts convincing you that things suck, that you'll never be loved, that you'll never have a boyfriend or never have a girlfriend or the wife you'll never have a wife or the wife you'll have will never leave or something. It's constantly <laughs> constantly setting up something and it's convincing. It tries it attempts to convince you so that you would finally go, Yeah, that's true. These people are out to get me, those motherfuckers. And, you know? I know I'm gonna be fired this week and da 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 and then 
And you're not sharing with everyone, and so this, this evidence, which is false, has no power over you until it appears real to you. Yeah? And that's where the role is that you have. Because the evidence is being, you're, you're aware of the evidence, it's arising, so you see it. But that evidence, that false evidence, because it's a story, can only become real to you when you believe it. Your antidote is you to that. Yeah. So the false evidence is appearing real. That's what they use the, for the uh, fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. So the false evidence appears, but then it appears real to you, based on what? In AA it says it's based really on your spiritual condition. If you're in good spiritual condition, you'll be able to see the false evidence as false evidence. You won't comply with it with action. Yeah, You won't give it a life to live. And therefore, the false evidence will dissipate and it will move on and some other evidence will appear. And maybe some really righteous, beautiful evidence will appear through like an intuitive thought or an epiphany or a sensation or a sense of bliss or love. Who knows? But you'll start getting different messages. Yeah. And the, some of the messages appear real so clearly to you, there's no need for advertising to convince you. Once the evidence hits you, you know. Yeah? Like for me, once the spiritual, once the spiritual state is intimated, it's like an unspoken yes in you. Something will just go, yeah, it doesn't need a book to verify it, and it definitely doesn't need a lot of thinking to make it so. It's just so, because it is. And your host, your apparatus will respond to that. It will just get it. Yeah? And that's that. Yeah. But false evidence needs a lot of advertising. It really does. Yeah? Because your, your, your initial ability, to, your wisdom that you have, can recognize the evidence usually. So the false evidence has to, a lot of spin has to go around the false evidence to make it appear real to you. Yeah? <laughs> Once it appears real to you, Let's say the false evidence is everyone's out to get you, nothing's going to ever work, I'll never be married, never have kids, everyone's going to be better than I am, whatever. And you buy it, and it appears real to you, immediately it creates a state of, be of fuck it. It could be a small fuck it or a big fuck it, but fuck it is like, fuck it is like the threshold to the drink, or doing the dope. You know? Once you enter fuck it, all bets are off. You're like, fuck it. You know? And so, with that opening, the mind rushes in. The alcoholism rushes in and gives you a solution to the fuck it. Let's get loaded. You know? What the hell? I'm never going to be loved. Nothing's ever going to work out for me. I'll never have a kid. I'll never have a family. Well, then, fuck, why not? Let's get loaded. Yeah? Or let me sit with my best friend's girlfriend. Or let me do some great, like, rob the bank or something. You know? It's great ideas. And then you'll just go off, yeah? Giving all your energy to it. And now it's like the jockey. Well, I like this little example. You're like that horse. Now you're in, your, you're in a barn, let's say. Nothing, you're eating some hay. Maybe it's old hay, whatever. But at least you're somewhat... No shit's hitting the fan that badly. And then the jockey that you recognize comes in, and you, you, you get very, woo, you know, you get a little nervous. You start kicking the stall, and the jockey, no, 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 don't worry. It's just, don't worry, it won't be like the last time. It'll be different this time. Woo! You have a very strong sense you've been ridden by this thing, and it's, it wasn't that good. At least for you. But, but it's sort of like... It starts to con tries to convince you. Oh, don't worry. And he comes up and puts his hand on your head and you're like, woo! You're trying to throw it up, but then it's like, no, no, it will be different this time. 
I've got good plans for us this time. It's really going to work yeah, this time. And so now it's slowly putting its leg on you, and you're like, whoa, whoa. But as soon as it gets on, yeah, now it's not trying to convince you anymore. The, uh, the dialogue in your head changes. It's not like something is trying to convince you. Now that something that was trying to convince you is talking as you. You're like, where's that dealer's number? You're not thinking, you know, right to the 7-Eleven. I mean, there's no hesitation whatsoever, and you're out there getting the fuel for the beast. Yeah. So here I am. Let's say I, I had all these ideas that things were going bad, and I, I finally pick up that bottle, and I have my first drink, let's say, in a couple of years, or whatever, maybe in a month. So I start having this drink, and as soon as I start having the drink, the genie comes out of the bottle. Now, before, I was concerned about my girlfriend. Now I'm up on stalking charges. Yeah? I was concerned. Now I have three DUIs. The shit really hits the fan. And it makes a real big expression in my life. And what it occurs is, it actually binds you. Yeah? You get bound to this place. Yeah? And then, the double thing is, you get bound to this, let's say... Because you think when you drink that you forget the court date, but the court doesn't forget you have a court date. Have you noticed that? Yeah. They're, they've got a pretty good system there of remembering. Yeah? And if you drink, you forget you owe people money, but they don't forget you owe money. These, all the solution that the mind produces doesn't produce a relief. And now you're stuck. You have to go to court. Maybe you have to take urinalysis every other week. Maybe this and that, blah, 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 blah. And so that one little bit of letting it take over, the effects of it can last forever. Like I got run over by a car one night. You know? It was incredible. I went, it was January 30th, 1980, in Long Island, New York. Very cold. It was Sunday night, around 11 o'clock. I went to a bar I used to go to. I went in that bar. There was a bartender and a waitress and no one else in the bar. Yeah? I ordered a Grand Meunier, a couple shots of Grand Meunier. Bartender gave me a Quaalude. I went home. Around 12.30, I was sitting in my sister's house. That was my home at the time. And I, and I had her car. And I, was, I started to feel irritable, restless, discontent. I thought I was missing out on something. I was, but I didn't know what exactly. I thought I was missing out. Maybe a party started up there. It was Sunday night, January 30th, in Long Island. So I drive back to the bar at 12.30 in the morning now, and I start getting out of my car. The last thing I remember is the light on, and then when the door closes, it closes. And the next thing I know, I never made it to the bar. I woke up in the hospital a day later, and I had been run over by a drunk driver across the street. Now, a tr like a real alcoholic, I actually got run over twice in the same night. The guy ran me over, didn't know what he hit, and he backed up over me. <laughs> I found out later that there was still only the bartender and the waitress in the bar. I wasn't missing a damn thing except the Chevy Monte Carlo. That's the only thing I was missing. <laughs> this is what can happen, yes? <laughs> You get an idea that you think you know what A is like, and you leave, you go out. But the fact is, what happens is, A doesn't change what you do. You used to like going to meetings, and the uh, compulsion to use was lifted. Now it's back, and you hate the pharmacy where the medicine is offered. You don't like it, meetings anymore. So now you really need to have what A offers, and you have a real dislike for it. Yeah? Basically, you're screwed. 
This is what happens. This thing takes us over and it uses us up. It rides us. It shuts us off from the sunlight of the spirit. We live in ignorance. We, have, we don't have a freaking clue what's actually going on. We're in a hall of shitting fans, basically, and we only know the shit hit the fan after it hits us in the face, which is a really bad time to realize it. It's good to see what turns the fan on and what aligns the shit with it, and what causes you to go, what's that? And you get hit with the shit. You know, it's much better to be able to see it than to have to be in the consequential level. But most of us lived only on the consequential level out there. We did not know what the hell was going on. Literally. It was always a surprise to me when I got arrested. I would go out on a Thursday night, want to have some fun, shoot some pool, go have a couple of drinks, cop coke, you know, and then I'd end up in 850 Bryant, you know, about 12.30, the jail here in San Francisco. I'd get out a day later. The next two day, nights later, I'd go out. I'd do the same thing. I'd end up getting arrested, and it was totally surprising to me. <laughs> How did I get arrested again? Well, I did exactly the same thing that got me arrested. <laughs> what? Is that how it actually works? Don't I have an exemption? Aren't I, don't I have a sense of entitlement? Aren't I special? No. This is the point. When out cold, that's what a spiritual awakening is. It wakes you up to the fact of your basic denominator, which is consciousness or awareness. Yeah? But the dilemma is, with this identification as self, even if you start moving towards the goal, it's being interpreted that the self is moving towards the goal. And so therefore, when you get some really good knowledge about self, it will, if the self claims it, it will be self-knowledge, and it won't avail you anything. It won't lead to any freedom whatsoever. All you'll, you'll have more information of what's fucking you, but you'll still be getting fucked. Which is actually even worse you know, than you know, being blissfully ignorant. Now you know how crazy you are, but there's no immunity to it. It's just running your life. You're totally, totally powerless over it. So the self is a trippy little modality because it knows it's got an extreme hostile nature, and the host it takes over is a really nasty takeover. So it has to have the best strategy of all strategies, and it has found one, which is once it starts moving in on the host, it convinces the host that it's the parasite. Yeah? The parasite presents itself as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and this whole idea of being a self, yes, and it reinforces it with the, with the thoughts, and therefore you forget your nature and take on it to be you. And therefore, no matter how bad it gets, you can never entertain being free of it. That's why people kill themselves. It gets so bad, they're not going to drink or use again, but they can't entertain being free of it, so they shoot themselves. You know, they figure, I've got to stop me to stop this, because they don't see any difference between me and this. Yes, But there is a difference. You are not that. Once that starts being entertained, and the power is, you and I have tons of power, Whatever, we can entertain a lot of stuff. That's what we do. Yeah? We give meaning to things. You can call it entertaining. One, one view is that you and I give everything all the meaning it has, and you can obviously test it out. It's just, it's just a subjective experience here. In other words, you and I, Bray and I, can have the same experience, but it will be totally different to each other because the meaning we give it. Yeah? So you'll see, like, if, let's say you're in a bad mood on a Monday, and then something seems like a big problem. Tuesday, you're feeling really good, it's not a problem. The same thing. Wednesday, you're not feeling good, it's a problem again. What is it? Is it a problem or isn't it a problem? It's actually neither. It's what you give it. It's just what's showing up. 
but you give it the meaning it has. You give it the good and bad. You give it the lovely and terrible. You give it all the meaning it has. We've agreed on some stuff as being really bad and some stuff that's being really good. Yeah, and so we basically think, no, those are really solid, real good things. But you go to different cultures, that good thing is not a good thing. So we're giving everything all the meaning it has. That's what we do. And the thing is, they're sort of meaning central, let's say, where all the meanings issue from. And one of them, which we're having a large amount of sampling, is self-centeredness. Most of us have been living in the realm of self-centeredness, and self-centeredness has been been giving our life all the meaning it has. In other words, one of its attributes is that the way it looks at everything is how it pertains to me as a self. Yeah? So it, it, it can live without absolutely any compassion in a life because it can't, it can't sense how it would be for the other person. It's that self-centered, yes? One of the other things with the, this movement of self, its main, one of its main modus operandi is whatever it comes in contact with, it will take advantage of. So the body is noticed. You're conscious of the body. The head says, it's my body. Yeah? The head has this world of time that we become conscious of, thoughts about the past and future, and it says, that's my past and my future. Yeah? It meets a lovely girlfriend, everything's going great, and then one day she becomes my girlfriend and the shit hits the fan. <laughs> because the girlfriend and when it's my girlfriend are two different things. Yeah? Once the claiming occurs you're in a whole other agenda than the one you were in before. It's just like that thing with the money, sex, and relationships. They all have meaning to us, money, sex, relationships, but if you want to make them heavier, all you add is one little word, my. My money. My sex, my relationships. You will write a novel about my sex. Yeah, you may think about sex you know, a lot, but you won't write a story about it. But as soon as it becomes my sex, then it's usually important. Chapter after chapter about my sex and my money. Ooh, my money, big time. My relationships, oh, really big time. So the idea of traveling lighter is based just on that word, my. If you held a thought as a thought instead of your thought, you'd travel lighter with it. Serious, check it out. AA gives us like a stepping stone out of that. They say, well, why not just see that some of them are alcoholic thoughts at least, because they are. We're sitting here and everyone shares thoughts, and it seems like a lot of people have my thoughts. They're not yours, thoughts. They're alcoholic thoughts, and we all have them because the same parasite has taken us over. So the same thoughts, the same feelings, the same reactions to life, we all exhibit from different countries, everywhere. It doesn't have any borders. It's one parasite that expresses itself through millions of hosts. Yeah? And so if you recognize the characteristics of it, you'll be able to recognize another alcoholic quite easily because they'll be exhibiting the same characteristics you've been calling yours for a long time. They're, they're exhibiting the same characteristics, and they're calling it theirs. That's the act of identification. That, to me, is the root of the problem. See? So when self expresses itself through me, one of the, the grosser... Characteristics is resentment. Yeah? If you read the book, it says self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Yes? It's being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us, we will now look at its self's manifestations in our life. Okay? So if you hold that, it makes pretty clear sense. Yeah? Being convinced, believing with certainty that self manifested in various ways has defeated us. So we separated the two. Yeah? Us and self. 
Self is not us. Yeah. I I feel my defeat occurred when I, I was identified as self. Yeah. And my victories occurred when I realized I wasn't. Yes. So, so self manifests in various ways. Why has defeated us? We will now look at its meaning self's common manifestations in our life. What's one of them? Resentment. The next paragraph is resentment. And then it goes into fear and then harming other people. So for me, when I look at it, the topics of, of the inventory are just expressions of self. They're not mine. My b- belief that they're mine demonstrates the identification of self. To me, when you share, it, identify, it, it demonstrates your identification as the problem. Because you're calling fear yours and anxiety yours, and they're not. Yeah? So, it's so easily to be diagnosed, so as soon as the fear and resentment and harming other people become yours, it distorts your ability to see through those things, and there's not going to be any real freedom. The real freedom is recognizing they're not your expressions. And if you realize they're not your expressions, one thing will immediately start to happen. You will lose interest in them. Because we're all conditioned to have great interest in whatever we think is about us. Seriously. <laughs> it's really the key. It's really the whole key in the whole ball game. It's this thing I always use, but there's a babe I'd really like to know, and she's in this other room. So I'm sitting here attempting to be present with this meeting, but I'm really interested in listening to what she has to say, yeah? Hoping she's going to say something about me. Talking with a girlfriend, so I'm really into this. And then people are going, Paul, come on, you're supposed to be doing this meeting. I go, yeah, 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 but I can't help it. Then someone says, you know, that's not right. I go, yeah, I agree, but I can't seem to help it. And I'm listening intently, and then I hear her, I'm really on it. And she's, she's starting to talk about Matt. Immediately, I lose interest. I didn't have to take three weeks of workshops to lose interest in a conversation in the other room. It wasn't like a bad problem at all. It was about, it wasn't about me. As soon as I realized he wasn't talking about me, I lost interest immediately. That's exactly what happens when you start entertaining you're not that thing called self, and therefore the narrative that you're hearing isn't about you. And that's what diminishes the obsession with self. I don't care what techniques you find. This, to me, is the best because the whole thing is the reason why you're listening to that thing is because you think it's about you. That's, I'm serious. If you have any sponsees, they call you up and self, they run their selfie on you. You're on the phone with them. You're like four minutes. You're like, first of all, you're like Solomon. You know exactly what they should do. Perfectly clear, have super wisdom, and you're really bored quickly. You know, get, come on, just go out and help somebody. But, but you've been having the same, you've been having the same thing for like 40 years, about 30 years or 20 years, and you're totally enchanted by it. It's the same, same, but there's one difference. That's theirs, and this is about you. That's why I'm tuned in for 30 freaking years to the same channel. When they, when they start broadcasting, I shut it off like that. I'm bored as hell with that. Jesus Christ, I've heard the same old, same old. Exactly. But the same old, same old doesn't look like the same old, same old here because the mind puts a spin on it because you're enchanted. It's about you. If you could... If you could audio tape what's going on in your head and then audio tape what's going on in one of your sponsors' head, it'd be the exact same thing. <laughs> really. The objects would be different. Instead of Sue, it would be Mary or, you know what I mean? 
walking the dog, one would be Fido or Biff, but it would be the same, same, exact same stuff. One you're totally bored of, and the other one you're entranced by. What's the one difference in the both, like, samples? You think one's about you, and the other one you don't. The one that you don't think is about you, you have immunity to it, because you're disinterested in it. Yeah? What causes you not to have immunity to the thoughts that are telling you to get loaded or fuck everything, I hate that person, is because you think it's you. The immunity comes when you realize it's not you. When you realize it's not you, you see it as clear as day. When you think it's you, you don't. That's the blinding effect. It's the self-interest. It's the interest you have in it. Because, and that interest is drawn into it because you believe it's you. And your, your mind is incredibly interested in what it made up. Incredibly. Yeah? It may take a little bit to break it out of the habit, but when it's freed from that endeavor, it's unbelievable what you can entertain. When you stop entertaining self, what you can entertain is unbelievable. You can entertain freedom and joy and the presence. Yeah? You can entertain what's available at all times, right now. Yeah? You can entertain unbelievable possibilities. But in self-centeredness, it's a very small tunnel vision, and there's very limited possibilities, and you've actually entertained every one of them by now. You just give it different names and different things, but it's the same, same, wanting to be saved by some outside situation at a later date. <laughs> this isn't really. It's never being saved now. It's always, I will be saved when so-and-so or what-and-what changes or I do da-da-da. It's always based on you, in a way. There's always a Your relevance is always injected into it all. But the freedom comes from this absence, really. That's what it is. And a spiritual awakening shows how absent you actually are. Yeah. Because what it does to me was it gave me a nice free sample of presence. And that word presence, there's no pastance or futurance. It's presence, yeah? Same thing with being. There's no a being. There's no noun in being. It's, there's not a, a great being. Being's a verb. Yeah? Being's a verb, a present tense verb. Presence and being are very together. Yeah? It's not a pa- if it was a past verb, it would be been. And if it was a future, it would be will be, which is where our head lives. Yeah? It realizes it can't erase being, so it goes into bending, you know, back, and then will be. And then it just riffs like John Coltrane. What could happen to me in what's not happening? Anything. <laughs> Let's say I feel like I'm in a samba mood for the last 40 years. The blues. Yes, things are going to fall all over me. Terrible things. And, then, and you can't help. You're stuck in that little orchestra pit with that fucking thing. Yeah? Why? Because that's where selfing appears in what's not happening. Check it out. Is Friday, next Friday, happening? So how can you go there? Is there a train? No, is there? Is there a plane? How do you go to next Friday? Thought, right? Your thoughts can go to next Friday. So that's your, like, magic carpet, and your head goes with to next Friday, and anything can happen in next Friday. You can have cancer next Friday. Seriously, you can be dead next Friday. You can be you. You were finally found out to be the fraud that you are next Friday. All this stuff can happen next Friday. Yes. The unfortunate thing is, 
next Friday, the head wants to override what's happening with what's not happening. But actually, what's not happening can only happen in what's happening. What's happening is the basis for all your entertaining what's not happening. What's happening? In in other words, if you're thinking about the future, you're doing it now. And you're not even thinking. And thoughts about future are arising and you're noticing it. And if you're noticing thoughts about the past, you're doing it now. So, basically, the head goes into what's not happening with thought. And what it does is, when it's in what's not happening, which anything can be happening... That preoccupation overrides your being conscious of what's happening. And what's happening is where life is. It's not in what's not happening. So what happens if you live in what's not happening? You have an interpretation. The interpretation is what's not happening overrides what's happening. And so now, next Friday, I'm sitting here. It's a Monday night, and I'm sitting here in what's not happening on Friday. And the funny thing is, you can't convince most other people about your what's not happening next Friday. Because they're in their what's not happening Tuesday or whatever. <laughs> Have you ever tried that? To really get over to someone, what's how important this thing that isn't happening is to you? Because they have something that's really important that isn't happening to them too. So we're constantly trying to convince ourselves, don't you see my mountain? But I see it as a molehill, because it's not my mountain. <laughs> and the same, my mountain, you see it as a molehill, because it's not your mountain. <laughs> so... I'm in what's not happening, and it's next Friday, and I'm going to have a really bad next Friday. <laughs> bad day. I could tell my landlord, I could see her face tonight, and I know she's going to kick me out by Friday. I know, I can see it coming. I'm going to preemptively leave before Friday. So, the unfortunate thing, that affects now, here. The body responds, or it doesn't respond, it reacts to whatever I'm believing to be what's happening. And so, if, it, if I'm believing what's not happening is happening, like I have cancer, my body will be expressing that fear of being having cancer now. Yeah? So, in other words, this could be a very safe evening. There's no apparent threat. But I'll be sitting here totally withholding, totally wrapped in the anxiety that my mind's producing in what's not happening. You see, we are the greatest producers of anxiety. We have two giant factories of anxiety, each of us, past and future. And we produce so much, and we dump that product into the, what's happening. Yeah? We dump it. Because what's happening is pretty damn cool in a way. So we dump all, of, all this baloney of what's not happening, and it consumes our ability to respond to what's happening, and we live in anxiety that there's nothing to be afraid of because it's not happening. Yeah, fear is a valid emotion. If I was in this room and someone had a gun, fear would arise. That's what happens. But most of us are in anxiety. We're not in fear. And anxiety comes from what's not happening. And it comes from your attention being given to what's not happening. Your attention makes it so. That's how the meaning gets emphasized. You give it meaning by attending to it. When you attend to bullshit, it becomes bullshit. So your attention serves what's not happening, and you become the field of that expression. And so we live in interpretation. And in that giant gap of not living, we seek for something to get us off. We want relief from this unbearability. But we're not finding the real cause of it. So what occurs is we go out and try to get relief from the cause, which is self, but we actually get relief for the self. 
the modality of self, which actually is slavery, because you will have to keep getting relief for the self, because it's unrelievable. <laughs> Why it's unrelievable? Seriously? Because it's not real. If you have a problem, and you keep applying solutions to it, and nothing really changes, you better question the reality of the problem. It may not be real. If you keep applying solutions to an unreal problem, that's the bigger problem. What we're saying here is your nature has never been affected or tinted or changed by all the selfing that's ever happened in you. At every moment, at all times, with no requirement necessary, your solution is available right where you stand as the problem right now. It's in the basic recognition of what's the common denominator of your whole life, and, and it is the awareness of it. Your ability to know or be aware of whatever it is you're aware of, if it's what's not happening or anything, that awareness is it. Yeah? So in all the moments and expressions of the problem, the solution is always offered. Right on the same plate, actually. What's allowing you to be so concerned about what's not happening is awareness. Yes? And actually the peace of all peace is awareness. But the self has commandeered the awareness, and it's now using consciousness to be conscious of itself all freaking day. Yeah? So everything you do, you reflect back on, I did it. <laughs> I did this. You know? Did you ever make a reservation for an epiphany? You know what epiphany is? Yeah? Have you made one? Did you know it was coming? Yes, I got I'm making a call. Can I have that? That room, I want Kenny Loggins' music, some candles, yeah. I think I'll be in there for a couple hours. Put some scriptures in there, too, or something. You know. I'm going to have an epiphany. Don't disturb the epiphany moment sign on this door. No, no, right? It just, it just it, it intervenes on your little linear story, yeah? Something happens, and life gives you a huge free sample. You live life at that time unadorned with the selfing, Yes? It's unbelievable. And what happens a lot of time is when that occurs, this, this modality of selfing can take a big hit and bounce back. It's freaking unbelievable. So there it is. It's been totally exposed as not being real, unbelievably. And it arises and goes, oh, I had this incredible spiritual experience. Yes? Now the epiphany becomes an experience this had. Yes? Oh, it just nuded it. Neuted it. it. Just snipped its balls off. The whole epiphany has just been neutered. And now you think you're a, now you'll probably think you're a spiritual person. <laughs> spiritual people have epiphanies. <laughs> so now you go, you'll be looking up epiphanies and groups of people who've had epiphanies. You'll join the epiphany group, whatever. And now you'll think you're a spiritual person, which is one of the worst things in the world. <laughs> so that's what, because it, it claims, whatever happens, yeah? It claims. It, a giant roadblock to its story about being you has just been overridden and paved over because it claimed it. It went, oh, I had that. Yeah? I had that. The light of all lights shines, and if you think you saw it, you missed the whole boat. Because you are that light. There's no you that saw it. It is a reaction, the mind's unsettled reaction, to the profound reality that was demonstrated. It claims it. 
It claims it as it claims it as an experience it had, and therefore, if you believe you had an experience, you can believe you can lose it. Yeah. Anything that you believe you can get, you can lose. That's why it's so beautiful that you cannot get this, so you can't lose it. Yeah. That's the whole problem, one of the problems with doing and having. You believe you can do and have to get somewhere. That same mind believes you can do something to lose it or not do something. So where is any peace of mind? There's no peace of mind. Because whenever you think you arrived, if you thought you got yourself there, the head will immediately believe you can leave. You'll do something to fuck it up. The dis is untouched by any of that. You don't do anything to produce this and therefore you cannot unproduce it. It's just an admittance of what's so. It's really a surrender, if you want to call yourself as an individual. It's a surrender or a stopping. But not as a self. Because if a self stops, it can start again. That's what it does. I stopped, I looked at it, I, th I think I know what it is. Bye-bye. I've got important things to do. I'm very special. Run around. No, this stop is like a pause that never ends. Pause is not a pause between actions. A pause is an incredible place that you can live from. There's a pause. It's on all the time, but there's a pause. You're in a. You're in like. A, you're just rooted in something. So whatever comes up and is seen, it goes. You don't go with. You don't come up with it, and you don't go with it. Yeah, you were there before it, and you're there after it leaves. And after a while, you see all the comings and goings, all these profound feelings that change and thoughts. You see all this coming and going, and you finally get a sense that I'm I'm what never leaves. I'm the context of all this, not as a Paul, but as that awareness. And then, what does that do? It frees you from the trials and tribulations of being a self. The only solution to the problems of being a self is not to improve it, but to realize you aren't one. That's the solution to it. And I'm saying that the best way to get out of anything is to realize you've never been in it. You cannot possibly be an individual entity. It's impossible. How's that so? Look at a dead body that you used to think you knew. Tell me if you think you knew him anymore or her. The body doesn't represent them. It never did. You just assumed they were the body because you assumed you're a body. But I've seen a dead body who I had a relationship with, and when I saw that body, it was like an instantaneous whack. That ain't Uncle Fred. It was clear as day. I was nine years old. I just looked at the body, and that, what I was calling Uncle Fred was a mistaken identity. I was mistaking awareness or life to be Uncle Fred as a body. It was not the body. The body was perfectly the way it had always been, but there was no life that I would call Uncle Fred when I looked at it. Yeah? So if you're pinning all your hopes on being special and being right, you may get those things as a self, but I'll tell you, it's a dry, dry, dry solution. That's what I used to love to be is right, but I'd always be alone. <laughs> I was right about her, but I'm alone now. <laughs> Wish I was wrong more often. <laughs> right isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so if you do the steps, if you read the book, really, it says a lot about this idea of self. As it's the thing that kills us and all this stuff. And we must be rid of this selfishness. And we can't do it on our own. We have to be aided by some other power. Exactly. Exactly. How could self ever get out of self? <laughs> self getting out of self is really being, quote-unquote, in self. 
So it's about realizing, Jesus, there's no way I can get out of this. And really, really, why? Because you were never actually in it. That's the reason why there's no way to get out of it. And that's the solution. You finally admit, there's no freaking way I can ever get out of this. And bing! You're out of it in a way. What happened? You finally told the truth. The mirror reflection, and then, and then something occurs. Jesus. Yeah. Like the wisdom, there was a teacher I used to say, the wisdom of no escape. To me, the wisdom of no escape is there's no need to escape. That's the wisdom. Yeah. You think, sometimes you think you're, sometimes you see yourself as, I'm in the jail cell, and the voice is talking to you as if it's like your jail partner and stuff. But you don't have to, you have to realize that's part of the cell, in a way. The voice. The voice never walks out of the cell. It's part of the cell. It's the audio of the cell. The audio is of the cell. It makes up a sense of being someone who's in the cell, who's being imposed just like you are, and stuck in this cell, and can't, can't wait to get out of it, but it can't go out of the cell. It's the cell. That voice. That voice in your head that sounds like you. Yes? That voice in your head is being pumped into the cell. When you leave, it doesn't go with you. <laughs> it really doesn't. And after a while, there's no reflection, so you don't know how good you're doing or bad you're doing. Really. People say, hey, did you have a good trip? I have no fucking idea, really. <laughs> Literally, I have no idea. I have no idea. What does good actually mean anymore? I have been good. I didn't get shot at. I didn't get run over. But it, it just happened. Yeah. What, what are you doing now? Sitting here. I always answer phones that way. Whatever am I doing at the moment, the person says, what are you doing? I say, I'm eating. You know. What are you doing? I'm on taking a shit. What are you doing? I was just falling asleep. No, what are you doing in your life? Well, that's what I'm doing. Taking a shit, eating. <laughs> it's very simple. You asked what I was doing. You want a story? All right, let me tell you a story. What I've been doing. What it means to me. <laughs> Christ. See, when you're not living, you need all this filler. Really. You need tons of filler to fill the void of not, you not being present. That's what memories are and everything. You're trying to fill a void of your own absence. Because you're not here. So you have to make up a story of what it was like to be here when you weren't here at all. <laughs> Seriously. It's like when you go traveling and you take tons of pictures of Hawaii... And they're really, basically, you're trying to prove to yourself that you were there, because you had a real strong sense you were back at work all the week. Because you were in what's not happening, and what's not happening was work. When you're at work, what's not happening is Hawaii, so you're never on the right schedule. So, well, here, look at all the pictures. I must have been in Hawaii. I have proof. Oh, yeah, yeah, you were in Hawaii. Come on, what, eight hours of slides. All right. Was, you believe me now? Yeah, yeah, sure. So this is when there's when you're not here, you've got to fill it with a lot of narrative, a lot of story, what a lot, what ifs and should haves and shouldn't haves and what could have been and this and that, because there's just an absence you can never replace, because it's you. It's you that you're missing, not you as a self, but what you are is what you're actually missing. And being totally consumed with thought isn't the way to have it found. That's the, that's the way it stays missing. When you're totally consumed with this false you, you won't sense the real you. And you'll be moaning it. You'll be crying for it. And you'll be making a lot of mistaken... The selfing will produce, will put up replicas and symbols of that. 
And so you'll go for the gold, so to speak, but it will always be tarnished in a way because it's just a, a pale reflection of what is actually looking, and that's what you're looking for, that awareness, like St. Francis says. What's looking is what you're looking for. We get blinded by the symbols that the minds put up and the, and the uh, goals and everything, but it's, they're just pale reflections of really the goal, which is what's looking, just to become aware of what's looking. Yeah? And it will free you from the need to be looking for all day. Because, in a sense, that's the finding. When you're aware of what's looking, that's what I would call finding here. You're now in that found state, so to speak. Yeah? And it's freeing. You can really drop, you can relax. You can, that incessant need to get better and everything drops. It's totally okay not to be liberated. It's totally okay, though, any way it is. Because any way it is ain't the way it is anyway. Really. I don't have a freaking clue what's happening here. <laughs> I have no idea. All I know is there's on this, and it's incessantly on. And After a while of following it, let's say, you can intimate some qualities that it may or may not have. But one of them, to me, is an incessant onness. It never blinks. It never takes a break. It never takes a, a breath to start something, and it never exhales when it finishes anything, because it's always so. It's just, there's no entrance point, and there's no exit point. It's just this constantly moving verbing. And uh, you can't say when you entered it or exited it, because there's no entry or exit. It's always found right where you are, as if it got there before you. That's a weird sense, yeah? It's like it's arrived even before you think you've arrived. Like if I sat here and I went, I'm going to pull myself together, it's already there. And it doesn't need to be pulled together. It, there's need, no need of any preparation or anything. It's, you'll lose it in a blink of an eye. If you think you've got to get ready, go, okay, I've got to get clear. You know, no, it, it doesn't have to get clear. That's its nature. It's totally, totally, unbelievably bright. And it's you. It's what's shining right out of your head now. But you may not think so. And you thinking so doesn't make it so either. It makes itself so, yeah? It's so because it's so. It's really choiceless. There's no choice. You don't have a choice of your nature. You'd like to. You'd like to, you know, live in your little dream world. But the fact is, it's an impossibility. So it's sort of like surrender in that sense, I guess. And then you can get to a state of being surrendered. When things have become obvious, it's a done deal. There's no more questioning. You're just sort of given over to it in a way. And there's no you to be given over to it <coughs> way of saying it. You've really committed. You've dropped in. And uh, there you go. Your life is held differently. It's not about getting anywhere, really. Because even if you started going somewhere, you'd forget where you were supposed to be going anyway, halfway through. <laughs> Seriously, things would grab your attention and you'd lose any kind of futuristic <laughs> commitment. You'd just go whatever. you just show up to whatever shows up. Yeah, that's cool. So, any questions on it? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's fast. Okay. <laughs> I was just, uh, I'm sitting on my balcony. And uh, I'm selfing about all this crap. You're not selfing, but okay. selfing's going on. Okay, yeah. selfing is going on. The idea of you selfing is selfing. 
<laughs> no, really, it sounds funny, but that's it, really. Your idea that you self or don't self is selfing. There's no self. What's going on? Yeah, selfing is... Past stuff. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's reflecting into the future. Future crap. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's a hummingbird about three feet from me in my face. Everything was gone. Oh, there's a hummingbird. Was I there? Yes. <laughs> That's a great gift. The hummingbird was trying to help you out. Yeah, hummingbirds are very cool. They're particular. I have a particular fondness for hummingbirds, and they, I may be giving them all the meaning they have for me, but they, they are big uh, bringers of great downloads in me, hummingbirds. I think they have powerful mojo, trippy little things. Yeah, you can say the universe is looking at you and trying to wink, you know. You get it now? Yeah. You get it? You know that? Sometimes how it grabs your attention and then you're unadorned by selfing. It's so freaking beautiful. It's a gift. You give it to yourself, really. You give it. You put the meaning out and let it be delivered from by a hummingbird. But it's all you. You going through the exercises of waking up. You know, it's fun. Hmm? Yes, and then that's everything, isn't it? To me, nothing brings everything. I have it. All. I like that, man. I like uh, those things. Today, I was in the water, and there's two, I was out in the ocean, and um, these about five feet from me, a big dolphin comes up. Yeah, and then another dolphin comes up, and it was a beautiful day, sunny and clear. And then I'm there, you know, wait, waiting for a wave, and uh, these two. The two dolphins are inside the wave riding it, yeah? Oh, it's so beautiful. I can see them riding. And then pelicans are riding the, the wind. They're having fun. I mean, they just don't pelican all day, you know, eat and kill and everything. <laughs> These things, if you watch them, they surf. Pelicans, other things. And the pelicans ride the barrel of the wind right in front of the wave. They're incredible. And then they take it off when it breaks. And so all this is happening. It's all lovely dance, you know. If you have the eyes to see, you'll see it. You'll see the magic everywhere. Hummingbirds and no hummingbirds. There's magic. It's, it's you expressing itself. You know, what you truly are. It's beautiful. What is it else to do here but express? <laughs> so you'll be maybe thinking you're, you are in selfing and then something will tap you on your shoulder and wake you up. Hummingbird. Now, don't try to find hummingbirds every day. You know, it's the it's not the hummingbird. It's the demonstration. You just get a, a little more alert. Then you're checking out things, yeah, because you don't know when it's coming, or where, how it will take, or what kind of form. Who's going to deliver the invitation? Or is there any invitation delivered that day? Because you are the invitation, yeah. Or maybe you're being used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So it makes you imagine like you're a kid again. Hey, have some wonder and awe. And glory, it's not so heavy. What's the point? The person you're worrying about that you think you'll be later on, when you're later on, your personality will be totally different. What's presenting to be you will be different. So you're worrying about a total stranger. Really? So what, really? Because you're believing it's going to be you that's going to be destitute in 20 years. The you that's going to be appearing as you will not be the you that's appearing now. It'll be a different you. Seriously. Like night and day. It will have a sense of being a historical you, but it has nothing to do with the one that's appearing right now. Nothing. 
Just like when you were a little kid. Do you have any sense you would be this? Were you worrying about being this when you were a little kid? No, whatsoever. You didn't even know who you were at the time, so there was no, how can you worry about who you're going to be? That was the freedom, wasn't it? You were totally in conscious contact. Just in conscious contact. There wasn't a you, oh, I think I'm in conscious contact. I wonder if Biff is in conscious contact now. <laughs> when am I going to lose this conscious contact? No, there was just pure conscious contact. That's where wonder and oral curiosity, everything comes from. Then we get on time and all this baloney, and look at us, man. Jesus Christ. We can't even hug people. We're crippled emotionally, flipped out mentally. You walk in a room, and you can't even walk in a room. You think, who saw me? What are they thinking of me? Are my pants too short? Whoa, there's one of my ex-girlfriends in here. Us, whoa, 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 constantly. You can't even experience just a, an act of walking in a room. It's like thousands of thoughts about you walking in a room. Doesn't it get unbelievable? You know, can't even, getting on a plane is unbelievable. It's like... If they would have checked that luggage in your head, you'd never get on the plane. <laughs> you'd have to pay $8,000 to pay for the fuel to carry all that shit, yet you're burning it all day without even knowing it. You're carrying so much fucking luggage. Should I be on this plane or should I? And then you go, the only way I'll know is when I'm finally in, then I can stop thinking. I mean, that's what people do. Should I have brought my bike or should I? In this? Should I brought, and they finally, they close the door. Oh, now I don't have to think about it. So that, you know, the plane's shutting the door, and then now there's no possibility I can get the bike, but then you still need to think about it. But I should have got the bike. Maybe I can buy one when I get over. <laughs> Fuck, it's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thousands. And it's like you could light up all of California for one night of thinking. <laughs> Jesus Christ, if they finally ever find out how to plug this in, we won't need solar power or anything. We'll just have mental power. We'll just have, all right, nervous center. So no one else worried, let her worry. And she'd be like a big queen. Just worrying with donuts everything around her. Worry, worry. Hey, I've got this problem next week. May I have a tick? Oh, give it to me. Now you don't have to worry about it. Okay, worry, worry. Eggs of worry popping out. Big fucking Fucking incredible. Jesus Christ. Travel lighter, please. Stop, stop attaching meaning. No, you can't stop attaching meaning. See that all you do is give meaning to things, meaning but that you are not the you. See, meaning from self. That's all this artificial... No, other meanings can be given through you. Your ability to give meaning is, an, is part of the apparatus. Self-centeredness is the main one we've been living under. Well, the meaning but, that distorts this moment. That would be the self-centeredness, yes? yes? Right. So, but there's... You tell the truth. You're not the one that's giving... The, the idea of being the one that's giving meaning to things is part of the selfing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, This other modality doesn't have self as its center. It really doesn't even have self as like a, a, a minor thing. It's actually no selfing. So it comes through and it gives meaning from the point of no self. Like self-centeredness gives meaning always from the point of self. And then you can have, taste, taste it. Judge the tree by the fruit. Taste the pudding and you'll know if it's good or bad. Yeah? Hold on a second. You know what I mean? Like Jesus says, you'll know the tree by the fruit. You can't get the tree. But you can, you can, get, into, you can get an intimation of the tree by the fruit. How is the fruit in your life going? <laughs> is it always fruit of hoping something will occur later? <laughs> is that it? Is that the whole fruit? 
Because, all right, a whole much better fruit's going to come later on. No? Judge the tree by the fruit. So the, the ability to give meaning is nothing we're doing. It's the apparatus. That's what it does. It gives meaning. So now we're going to, and it's got, it's got one programming called self-centeredness, and it's projecting that meaning, and we've had enough of it. Now we're switching a format and let this other program of other than self-centeredness give meaning, and you'll see. You'll respond just like you react to self-centeredness. You'll respond to this new meaning. Yeah? It's not like a, a formatted death walk as self-centeredness is. It's a really like a lively jig. It's a dance. Yeah? It's a life. Yeah? It's animated. It's not parchment. It's not dry. It's animated. It's juicy. Gives incredible meaning. You'll be surprised a lot. Yeah? And I'll keep you alert because you never know what's going to happen. Really, you don't. You never know. It's so incredible. The other thing is you know all too well, don't you? That's why you want to forget. You know so much. It's never going to get better. It's always going to be this way. It's the same old, same old. Who'd want to show up? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just an invitation. We just offer it because... Uh, 